Welcome everybody back to War Room, the hockey podcast. This week we discuss the Atlantic Division. It is all about Atlantic Division season preview. But first, we're going to take a moment to remember, never forget, September 11th, 2001 and September 11th, 2012. September 2001, I was in fourth grade personally, um, and it's obviously affected my life growing up. And September 11, 2012, Benghazi, uh, four Americans losing their lives. We always remember and we never forget. Moment of silence, no introduction music this week as we honor and remember. War Room Hockey Podcast back at you with episode 25 this week, previewing the Atlantic Division. First off, though, we're going to start with uh, headlines like we always do. Um, an RFA domino has fallen in Zach Wierenski in Columbus. Three years, five million AAV. Yeah. A little surprised to see that. Uh, he, I thought he might get a little more than that, especially out of Columbus, with, who's got, got some space and he's obviously a long-term guy, but... The fact that it's a bridge deal is um, is a big thing too. That, that if uh, because I know just coming out of Toronto and Tampa, these guys are all they're all wanting bridge deals, and you know they want to they want to cash in uh, at the end of RFA and into UFA. So anyway, yep. more on that. Uh, out of Edmonton, McDavid skates. Um, he's still aiming to be ready for the season opener. We'll see how accurate that. That is, but that's what he's aiming for. Um, leave, leave him in the no contact sweater until uh, till he's a hundred percent. Well, yeah, that's what you have to do. Um, pending uh, major advancements in contract talks with Mitch Marner um, and many of the RFAs, uh, they'll head. It looks like they are definitely heading to Europe if a contract's not there come camp. That's such a show. I mean, and not in a good way. Like there are so many places that you could skate in in North America. You could like Mitch Marner can't find a place in Southern Ontario to skate and train with somebody at a high level. He's going to Europe as a show, and and it's all nonsense. They the Leafs offered him eleven million dollars on a on a full term deal on a seven year deal in June, and he didn't even. I don't think he responded to it. No, so, well, Elliot Friedman. Um tweeted out yesterday i believe that um toronto um was willing to go up to the 11 million if the term was seven or eight right um but if the term's not seven or eight then they're not going that high and that seems to be where the the gap between the two the two parties seems to be that's right that's where the sticking point is and and true or not I, I presume that it is. The rumor is uh, out of the Marner camp that he didn't like the eleven million dollars because it wasn't more than Austin Matthews eleven point six. This is what it's come to. Well, the, you know what's going to happen here too, Evan. These guys are all going to hold out. I think now 
as I posted a month ago, we talked about this and the guys, I, I figured somebody would tumble. The rest would come, you know, would come into line and the clubs and the agents and everybody would get to some sort of agreement as to how this was going to go forward. And everybody would fall into, would fall into place and be at camp. Now it looks to me like maybe none of them will be, but what's going to happen now is that these guys are going to hoop the, uh, the CBA, the, the league at the end of the CBA, if this one goes to, to full term, another, what, three years, at the next CBA, the league is going to have to do something to take control of the RFI, RFA issue. It's going to probably get written into some sort of phony arbitration deal so that there is a way to get guys into camp. And so that's going to cause a, another CBA problem. And the guys without CBA protective deals are at the bottom of the heap. So the the league minimum guys, the the buyouts, the PTOs, the the entry level guys, they're the ones that are going to pay the price because Marner and Matthews and and all the guys that signed for big money, Tavares in Toronto, they're all got their money up front. They're they're lockout proof contracts. So the guys that are going to get the short end of it are the ones at the bottom of the stack again. Well, yeah, absolutely. The it you don't really buy the argument of. Uh, that people make with the RFAs anymore of that uh, well the argument of they just want what's fair because no, I because I, I think I think Mitch Marner's a tremendous player but he's not he's not worth more money than what McDavid's making and the speculation going around is that at at some point in this next contract. He'll, he's asking for more than what even McDavid is making. Yeah. And then the argument of, well, he just wants what's what's fair. But that's that's not fair. I've had my criticisms of McDavid, but he there's no Marner is not worth more than McDavid. No. So now, as a as a percentage of the salary cap, that's the argument that they always make when they don't have anything else to fall back on. It's I want this as a percentage of the salary cap because my comparable is making you know, 13% of the cap. So that's what I want. Now, all of a sudden now, that's the fallback number. And it's it, it's always skewed. It's like arbitration numbers. The comparables are always in the favor of the player. And there's nothing you can do about it. There's, there's little point in having restricted free agents now. And that's why something's got to be done at the next CBA. Yeah. Well, anyways, in other yeah. hockey news... Uh, yes. BCHL season has started. Uh, they, they are, um, as of this recording, they are two games in. There's a few teams that are three. Um, Surrey, Wenatchee, and Penticton are off to quick starts with two and zero records. So that that, which is surprising to see Surrey start that well. That's. Yeah, we talked about them early on as being one of the teams that we thought was going to be in a long-term struggle this year, right? Well, I, well, I thought so, and it's only two games, but yeah. that's but to start off two and zero. I mean, that's after finishing last year with I think I think it was thirteen wins all season. Yeah. So I mean, that's a that's a good start to at least show show everybody else that they're they're at least here to play, no matter what happens. Exactly. And in the uh, V's here locally, 
beat up trail. Anyway, go on. They did. They did two games. I think nine to one and seven to one were the two scores. Yes. So they they put a they put a shellacking on on trail to start the season um, here locally. Um, in WHL news, uh, their regular season kicks off in a week and a half with uh, a seven game slate on September twentieth. So they're they're starting to get rolling. And uh, and the steam are finishing camp and getting ready to to kick off the season here locally as well in Summerland. So a lot of lot of hockey news going around. Finally, yes. A lot of well, okay, a lot of a lot of hockey starting. Hockey news is different, but but at least seasons are starting. So maybe news will start coming in. I guess is the best way to say it. So. One way or another, news will be coming in. Whether it's news or the fact that there's no news, it's going to be happening. Yeah, and finally, we don't want to leave out. Um, we don't want to leave them out. Their season doesn't start till November, but the NCAA school year started, and uh, they're going to be hitting the ice, getting ready for for the start of their season come November. So, don't want to leave them out. Um, they're getting ready to kick off as well. So, um. Before anything, hit the subscribe button, rate and review, settle in for episode number 25 of War Room, the Hockey Podcast. War Room, the Hockey Podcast, back with you, episode number 25 this week discussing the Atlantic Division preview. Uh, first and foremost, though, War Room the Hockey Podcast presented by North Paw Media, proud to um, partner with Breakaway Brewing here locally, and also proud to work with and be associated with Ryan Walter and RyanWalter.com. So check out RyanWalter.com for all your leadership tools. Um, great friend of the show, and um, great to have him associated with us here at War Room. So. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of leadership quality in Breakaway Brewing as well. There's a, that's a, that's a team building environment there. So uh, don't forget that it all it all plays together. One hundred percent. Anyways, Warren the Hockey Podcast back with you, episode twenty five, Atlantic Division preview this this week. Uh, we're going to kick things off uh, with the Boston Bruins uh, this week. And first and foremost, they just extended Bruce Cassidy. It's a great move. They play their hearts out for Bruce Cassidy. He's he's fantastic. Three year extension for him, so that's uh, a good move for um, good move for the the boys out of New England. And um, here's a guy that who's the who's the one guy in all this RFA chatter that we've been as guilty of as anybody all summer long. The one RFI RFA that has not been mentioned at all. Charlie, Charlie McAvoy. McAvoy. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe one of the best of the RFAs, and never mentioned uh, yet. And I, I, they've got a lot of cap space, and he's a he's a stud young defenseman. He and Carlo both. Uh, so I look for those guys to both be locked up uh, long term at some point, um, because Boston Sweeney's done a great job with the cap in that team. He's getting so much production out of Marchand at six million, Pasternak at six point seven, Bergeron at six point eight. I mean, he's just he's killing it with that top line and and his defense core. Tory Krug is at five. He's done a great job with that cap. Amazing. That's why they're in position they are. 
That's why they're the the class of the uh, of the Atlantic. And and Cassidy gets uh, tremendous mileage out of his depth guys, out of Chris Wagner and Corrali and Jake DeBrusque and guys like that. Charlie Coyle. Yeah. Well, nicely done. It, it, it's a well built team, and that's why they're competitive every year. Even though it seems like some of their core guys are on the other side of of what we would deem maybe the the prime mark for a career. Um, but uh, question mark, speaking of that, for me, would be going into this year, just looking at things and all that stuff, would be uh, David Backus and how he fits in. Not not well. Um, he's still, he's a $6 million hit. He's got uh, two years left. It'd be, I'd be shocked if they didn't buy him out. At Well, he's 35. I'm not sure what his contract looks like as far as, uh, I think he signed it a while ago, so he's probably eligible for the buyout. But I, I don't see him fitting in. He's not healthy enough. Uh, he's probably somebody they're going to have to uh, put on waivers or, or buy out, maybe. Yeah, some somehow or another. I don't see him uh, fitting in long term. But the now, rest with, of the now year, with the likes of Charlie Coyle and all those young guys coming in and basically doing what Bacchus can can do and used to do just at a higher pace and and a little bit of a younger age. So his minutes are limited. I mean, he's still a good, he's still a good player, but he's not a $6 million guy. So that, yeah, that's, that's a question mark. And and then that means that some of their, some more of their depth is going to have to come along Nordstrom and, and uh, Danton Hine and guys like that are going to have to continue to play well. Brett Ritchie uh, off season pickup. So See, uh, but here again, Evan, we talked about this uh, at the end of the regular season or at the end of the during the playoffs last year. Look what look what Bruce Casty did with these guys uh, throughout the regular season last year. He was without Chara. He was without McAvoy, without Brandon Carlo. He was without uh, Bergeron for a while, without Pasternak. And they never missed a beat. hundred and what? Hundred and seven points he got out of that club. And his top end guys were in and out of the lineup all season. And well, that's, that's cool. That's a testament not only to their depth, but to uh, what their pipeline looks like as well. Yeah, they're just solid. That's a it's a solid it's a solid organization. And plug uh, in another guy, and yeah. that, that's why they'll be there at the end of the year again. You think so? Think they'll uh, think they'll still be um, no question a division they playoff uh, playoff team. I do. They, there's no no reason not to. They know how to win. They've got the leadership. Unless they had some, you know, a, a long term injury to Bergeron, um, maybe something goes bad with Tuka Rask. I, I don't know. I, but they're they are just they're a roster built completely. They've got a they've got one of the best top lines in all the game, and the rest of their team is a B plus team that plays their hearts out. So. If one guy goes down, you throw in another one. So you know when you lose one guy, you put in, you plug in Danton Hine, and you plug in Chris Wagner, you plug in Jake DeBrusque or, or Brett Ritchie, and away you go. You don't miss a beat. You plug in uh, Kevin Miller on defense, Matt Grizzlick and Steve Camper. Just get me the next guy in line, and they all look the same. They all play their hearts out, and and that's why they'll be there. They could be a, they could be a wild card team. But nobody's going to want to play him. Doesn't matter where they finish. Nobody wants to play him in April. No, no, they always seem to come through. Uh, come through. Come playoff time. So, yeah. 
How about you? I mean, am I overestimating these guys? No, I I don't see any any real holes when I look at them. At least on paper, they are they are still a well constructed um, competitive team. So I I don't see I don't see any holes. The only the only question I would have, um, and if you've seen any of his off season training videos or anything, um, the question's kind of moot, but would be how effective Chara can continue to be um, health-wise, but also with his age. But other than that, other than that, they're still a, they're, other than that, they're still to me a team that um, wild card or tops of the division. They're they're there at the end of the year. So, and I they, they've both Chara and Cassidy have settled him into a perfect role. He, he's not he's not monster minutes anymore he doesn't have to with the rest of that decor he's still one of the smartest guys he's a physical animal the way he trains like you said uh he's gonna be he should be perfectly fine and and is he's always got that size that helps him make up the step that he's lost so i don't see any issues and and one of the good things about the way this club's built they they're not one of those teams that's fragile based on one or two guys maybe getting hurt or having a bad year, uh, getting banged up. I, they're just not subject to that. I mean, even even a guy like Bergeron, who's one of the top players in in the entire league, Marchand, they they can just play around that. They've proven it, and uh, so it puts them in a in a good position where they're not going to be they're not going to be victim to uh, to a couple of injuries or or maybe a bad year. Agreed. I. I... Predictions are always up in the air as to whether or not you're right come the end of the year, but I think Boston will be there. I think that's that's one of the teams that isn't really up for debate when it comes to that. So, no, I wouldn't think so. Uh, the one the one team speaking of the Pacific Division that might be um, up for debate as to whether or not they're going to be there. I mean, I guess looking at the division, maybe two teams, um, but one of them would be Buffalo. I don't buy them yet. They've they've drafted pretty well. They've drafted very high. Uh, the Skinner pickup was good, but you know they're sturdy on defense. I but they're just I, I don't buy it. Carter Hutton had a good year. They've got a half dozen or so really good star sturdy NHL quality defensemen, uh, and they can go into well I'll get into that in a minute. But up front they've got a good top line, Eichel and Skinner, uh, probably with Sam Reinhart. But beyond that, Casey Middlestad is unproven. Ocpozo has been inconsistent. VZ is a bust. Connor Sheary's, uh he's a bottom six guy. Sabatka, you know, I just, I don't know where they're going to go beyond that top line. I don't see them scoring goal enough goals to get by. But with Dallin, Ristolainen, Montour, uh, Bogosian, Jake McCabe, Marco Scandella, they're, they're solid on D. If they if they get coached into a good system, uh, and you know, and I, I, I don't know, there's maybe the biggest unproven commodity in in Buffalo uh, is Ralph Kruger. What do you think? I I think so. To me, because to me, there's no holes. I mean, the the only holes I I see are in goal. Carter Hutton uh, play, Hutton played uh, very very well, but if he goes down. I don't. I Linus Allmark 
I mean, he's he's solid enough, but I I just don't I don't see Olmark being able to win consistent games for Buffalo if Hutton were to go down. I think this team's going to have trouble scoring goals. I really do. I'm looking for that. You know, every team's got somebody kind of in the weeds, and in in Buffalo, it's Tage Thompson. I like this guy, uh, and he could have a breakout year. Another guy to watch for there, who's kind of a throw-in. Uh, in the pickup from Chicago, the trade with Chicago is uh, Henry Jokaharu. And yep. when they made that trade, everybody said, you know, Alex Nylander for who? Well, Nylander was a flop so far. And this Jokaharu kid is, um, he's got potential to be a top four defenseman. He's, um, don't go to sleep on this guy. That was a, that was a good pickup by Jason Botterill. Agreed. I'm just concerned. I'd be concerned about Ralph Kruger. Very limited NHL experience. What what experience he had in Edmonton was terrible, like everybody else who's been through Edmonton in the last decade. But I want to see what he can do with a with a especially a forward roster that really lacks punch. So we'll see about that. And speaking of their for forward roster, though. Um on the topic of question marks, and we kind of discussed it a few weeks ago, um, will be not only the health of, um, but whether or not Dylan Cousins can can step in or not this year. I I would give him one in a hundred that he comes out a junior this year. I think Dylan Cousins will be right back in the dub. Uh, they'll they'll let him percolate for another season at least. Great kid. Uh, would love to think he could go to camp and stick, but I I don't believe they're. I don't think they're looking for that. No, I don't think so either. Um, but just on the basis of discussion and everything, uh, to me, that's a question mark, uh, just like it would be for a lot of teams with high-end draft picks, you know, so. But, yeah, he's he's a kid to watch. Uh, I don't think he's a kid to watch this year. Love the guy, just like Kirby Dak and the other guys we saw come out of the dub this year. But again, player with the best chance to make it, is uh, Bowen Byram. Mm-hmm. So we'll get to him here in the next next few weeks. Um, but we, we, what the question I guess for me with Buffalo would be what's their um, pipeline look like in today yeah. to, in today's NHL? Everything is about the pipeline. If you That's don't right. have if you don't have enough to basically turn over players as as things adapt and change then you're kind of getting left behind so if they don't if they don't have a pipeline and i i don't in in my opinion they don't have much of one they're they've got they've got some i like i like tage thompson a lot he's been one of my favorite guys since he was a teenager dylan cousins is going to be a really good nhl player uh, they still have Curtis Lazar in their system, who's a he's still going to end up as a bottom six guy, but he's a big leaguer. I I still believe in him as a big leaguer. Um, there, where I like them the best is on D. Again, they, you know, I think they've got a they've got a real sturdy uh, pipeline on defense with Jokaharu coming, and the and the six or seven guys that I mean, right now they've got Scandella may not make their every night roster. He's a he's a tremendous defenseman. So they're they're sturdy. Where they where they've got a little bit of hidden problem is next season. 
they got a handful of guys. They have no cap space right now, and they've got a handful of UFAs and RFAs coming in next year. From Sam Reinhart, Sabatka, Connor Sheary, Jimmy Vesey, right on down, Gergensons. They've got a whole bunch of roster issues coming next year that, that uh, Jason Botterill is going to have to stay on top of. Well, to me, that's a sign, and sorry to any Sabres fans that listen, but to me, that's a sign of, in the past number of years, a kind of a poorly constructed team. Yeah, that's I mean, and I, I, we we don't like to we don't like to say a whole lot of negative things about everybody, but it, it's it's one of those it's just a reality of it. This is something that is they they're pretty good at the very top, but the disparity between the top line and uh, and the uh, the third line is vast, and it's not healthy. Uh, they don't have the balance that that a team like Boston or Tampa mm-hmm. or something like that has. It's not even close. So well, not even just on a on a depth perspective, but on a contract perspective too, it seems to be poorly constructed because you don't see You normally don't see big cap issues and, and everything with this number of UFAs and RFAs and, and things like that with, with a team that hasn't been competitive. Right. So now, that's- like Chicago finally had in their, in their, 10 years of dominance, they finally had cap issues after they won a Stanley Cup because now people are, you know, and everything, now people are demanding and now people are are getting what maybe they're, they're worth or they deserve. And Buffalo, they're not there yet. And they still have Eichel and Middlestead and all these guys that are going to be, be calling Mitch Marner style for money here at, at um, come contract time. And that's... And yet they they haven't won anything. So, in the good news for for Jason Botterill is Eichel and Skinner are tied up for probably as long as his his tenure will last in in Buffalo. Uh, Middlestad is an RFA, and if, uh, the the good news for him would be if Middlestad had a huge year and demanded money next year and could be added to that top three or or top six at least uh, as a real impact player. But the rest of these guys, he's going to have to get production out of his the lower end guys like Gergensen's, Evan Rodriguez, uh, Connor Sheary, Sabatka, maybe Jimmy Vesey. Somebody's got to step into those roles as the as the third line guys that can contribute 15, 20 goals maybe and have a have have a real impact from the bottom end of that roster. But yeah, he and and honestly, Botterill can fix this if he gets two or three of these guys signed this year. So that they don't all like all nine of them hit next year. If he gets Reinhardt under contract, if he gets uh, maybe Rodriguez and Middlestad under contract, and and takes one of his UFAs like uh, somebody that's not going to break the bank like Connor Sheary or somebody. If he gets three or four of these guys signed, uh, then he'll be fine. He, but if he doesn't, his off season's going to be it's going to be more difficult next year because he's got a the majority of his forward roster is going to be unsigned. Yeah. No, nope, I agree to me, to me, but goaltending and then the contract issues are their biggest questions. So they're still going to be looking up and not that they're a terrible team, but every night they're going to be playing Boston, Tampa, Toronto, even the, you know, even the teams that we still haven't seen prove themselves yet, like Montreal or Ottawa or somebody like that. They've, they, 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 it's going to be a tough schedule on a on a team like this. 
hard well, to score goal. We'll we'll get to it when we get to Montreal because um, I want to hear your thoughts on um, the comments uh, Max Domi made if you heard him. Yeah. Um, but we'll we'll get there when we when we cover Montreal. Um, but moving on, we're gonna uh, the one for me that's interesting, and not interesting from a perspective of um, assuming that they're actually going to be competitive or um, be anywhere near the top come the end of the year. But interesting, just on the basis of uh, Steve Eiserman is Detroit. Tough times in Detroit, and I uh, not because not because Stevie didn't. Uh, I mean, he's he's new, so he doesn't have his his fingerprints on it yet. But they are they're just not they're just not good. I mean, they, I, I I hate to say it, but Larkin and Mantha are good top line players. Beyond that, they are on their best day. They're unproven. They've got they've got two impact forwards, and the rest of that uh, the rest of that group Athanasiu we never he's one of the best skaters in the league for sure. But can he consistently play and put up points? Uh, Darren Helm has trouble staying healthy. Nielsen, Philpola, Advocator, Glenn Denning, you know I just I'm not seeing it. Uh, Philip Zadina, great goal scorer in junior, fantastic skilled player is he ready to go mike rasmussen the same way i i just i'm concerned about their forward group and on defense it doesn't get any better um mike green is old trevor daly is old uh de kaiser and ronick and uh i don't know madison bowie patrick nemeth i who's going to step into that top four mm-hmm. uh and in goal it just keeps getting worse. Now you got Jimmy Howard, who's coming off two or three really, really questionable years. Jonathan Bernier, who is a he's a second he's a backup guy on his best day, uh, and Calvin Pickard, who's a reclamation project. I I don't see this team being able to compete night on night. No, well that's what that's what I mean. There there's not much to discuss about Detroit because it's all self-explanatory if you if you look <laughs> at them. Um, but for me the the question is is I guess more so for the future of the Red Wings than now um, is Steve Eiserman. And will he have the same success with building Detroit's roster and building this team as he did in uh, Tampa? Here's here's the thing that, that fascinates me about Stevie Eiserman. He played in Detroit when the remake of that team became very, uh, very Russian, very European, uh, smaller, faster, skilled. They were successful. They were, they were competitive every night. Uh, and then he went to Tampa and he built a bigger straight North kind of a team, a North American style team in Tampa, vastly successful, at least in the regular season, made it deep into the playoffs a couple of times. And then his first draft back in Detroit, he drafted a, a whole carload of guys at 510 and not a single North American in the bunch. So I, I'm I'm curious. I'm just curious as to how he couldn't couldn't seem to find his way back to the style that got him so much success uh, at the draft table in Tampa. But with that said, uh watch over the next couple of years, watch Joe Valeno, watch this Zadina kid. Um 
you might see, uh, I, I want to see if Dominic Turgeon can, can break into the big leagues. Um, they've got a couple of guys up front that could become, you know, they, and, and because of the, because of the lack of real impact strength on that forward roster, some of these guys really could become big league players where they might not have a chance uh, in a deeper lineup. On defense, I'm not seeing any blue chips coming along. I don't, and in goal, like this is a team that if they don't overachieve, this is a team that's not done getting bad yet. They might be two or three drafts at the in the two or three lottery drafts away from really becoming uh, a team trending upward again. Yeah, oh, I agree. I think they've got a ways to fall yet, unfortunately for for folks in in the Michigan area there. But um, but yeah, for me to, for me it's uh, Iserman. For me, it, it kind of centers around him and what he can do because he he took a. a Tampa Bay team that arguably was kind of in Detroit's position and made them a juggernaut. Yeah. With he how did. he how he drafted and how he constructed that roster. And so for me the question mark um is Stevie Y and and how he can can over the next few years cuz it let's be honest it's going to be a few years before they they start trending upwards again. So yeah, over the next they- few years can he construct this Red Wings lineup um, in any similar fashion to way the way he did in Tampa to make them remotely competitive? To where you look not only at that lineup but also at their their uh, pipeline yeah. and say, "Wow, Detroit's going to be good for years to come." Right. No, I I agree a hundred percent. And and let's face it, Stevie's a first class guy. He's he's as respected as anybody in the league. He learned from the best in Kenny Holland. He played for the arguably the best owner in hockey, uh, Mike Illich. And he, he honed his craft with the very best of them. And he showed everybody in the world, uh, what he could do when he took over Tampa and, and his run in Tampa there over a period of, uh, of many years, he built that team into an absolute killer. So it, can he do it? For sure. He can do it. Does he have the patience and the stomach to get it done in Detroit, where right now he's starting from a he's starting from a real difficult position? Mm-hmm. We'll see. But it's got to be done, as you know, right now with the with the way the cap uh, and everything is structured in this league, and the way RFAs and UFAs uh, handle themselves. You've got to do it in the draft. If you don't build your pipeline in the draft and and acquire assets in June every year. You got nothing to work with. Mm-hmm. You've got to you you acquire good guys in June. You get a lot of production out of your entry level contracts, and then if you can't sign everybody and the cap doesn't work, then you've got assets that you can pedal and well, and do yeah. it again. No, yeah, the draft is kind of where you where you build a team. Uh, free agency and things need to needs to be where you where you fill a need, right? Type of thing. So if a team needs and we'll get to it as we transition. But if a team needs a a goaltender or a you know a, a bottom six forward that that brings some size and a little bit of grit or anything like that, then that's where you can go out and you can sign up Patrick Maroon or you can do whatever. But the draft is where you build. 
Yeah, Definitely. exactly right. And and really now, as we've as we've touched on over the last few weeks in this RFA situation, the way that the age and pay scale have both flipped upside down, now your your UFAs are your depth guys. UFAs are mm-hmm. are the buyout guys like Jason Spezza and and uh, and the guys that are signing for league minimum uh, that are. You know, they're 10 minute, maybe bottom six guys or depth defensemen. You're just, you're not finding those impact players. Maybe Tavares the last three or four years uh, being the exception. You're not finding game changers in the UFA market anymore. Because nobody's got the cap space for it. No, but UFA is where you find the support guys and the depth guys um, on a, you know, going off the discussion we've had in recent weeks. You know, the draft is getting smaller and smaller. Right, so you're seeing Jack Hughes go number one, and he's five foot eight, or yep. what, or however tall he is, and um, you know Johnny Gaudreau and these guys. Things are getting smaller, so free agency is where you fill a need by bringing in a a maroon or a Lucic or somebody that can bring size to counteract that. Yep, exactly, and then they're out there; they can be had. But again, your um, the strength of your team is going to be built in the draft. You look at everybody successful, whether it's Tampa or Boston or, or uh, you know, any of the team, Nashville out west, uh, Winnipeg Jets, the, they have successful drafts year after year. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of filling a need and building teams, um, my... <laughs> let, me, let me guess. What? <laughs> Where are we? What's our next stop? Well, I want. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say, and then I want to see if if you were thinking correctly, because now I'm wondering what you're what you're thinking. But um, for me, my dark horse in not only this division but in the Eastern Conference um, as we move forward is uh, Florida Panthers. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, there's the actually the only the only difference of opinion might be that they they should not be a dark horse at all. They, they absolutely should be one of the most difficult places to play this year. Well, so, I agree. What I mean by dark horse is just based on years past leading up to this year. Right. And yeah. in our discussions of previewing the season, we, we say Boston's going to be there. I think it's safe to say we're, we haven't gotten to them yet, but I think it's safe to say despite everything with Marner that the Leafs will still be there. Um, things like that, but meaning kind of left out in the cold a little bit is the Florida Panthers and the discussion of of competing and being there and yeah. maybe they shouldn't be with bringing in Joel Quenville and and bringing in Bobrovsky and, and things like that but on the basis of years leading up to this point to me they're a dark horse on the basis that they're not the everyday team that's discussed and and praised and all this stuff so I'll give you this much though. I mean, and they've got to prove it, but Jonathan Huberdeau is one of the most solid two-way guys. He's a couturier kind of a, maybe a Bergeron light sort of a player, highly skilled guy and can play both ends of the ice. And they've got a, a great proven goal scorer in Mike Hoffman. He just scores. He's constantly scores goals. He's like Camilleri uh, a few years ago, no matter where you put him or with whom he's scoring goals. Vinny Trocek's a big, strong, fast, straight up and down guy. Brett Conley's a nice addition. Colton Sevier on depth. Uh, Dennis Malgan, Chase, uh, Jace uh, Harlick. Good depth guys, but 
this kid, Alex Barkov, mm-hmm. I'm not, if you, if you, if he played in a different market, he would be talked about in the same sentence as Matthews. Uh, he's just, he's that kind of a guy. He's huge. He's a great defensive player. He's a penalty killer. He can do everything at both ends and he's got ridiculous skills. And at 24 years old, signed for another four years at 5.9, this guy, if, uh, if Quenville puts him in a position to succeed, this kid could be, he could tear this league apart. He is that good, but he's in a place where not everybody knows how good he is because he's in Florida. They have trouble filling the lower bowl, and I won't I won't get off on that uh, tirade. But nonetheless, he's he's tremendous, and they're good on defense too, Evan. They, uh, I I like this team. I I like you know on paper I like them, and um, kind of like with Detroit. Um, my question mark in Florida is Quenville, and if and I say if I think it's a foregone conclusion that Quenville is this type of coach, but if he can do what he did in Chicago for Florida, no matter, no matter, I think, okay, let me rephrase that. If he can do what he did in Chicago with the Panthers, with this lineup, at least on paper, yep. I I think you'll get to a point where, where Florida won't look as empty when you look at their stands and they, and they'll be there because Quenville can, with the right systems, he's capable of taking a team that maybe nobody thinks about. You saw it at the early stages of Chicago and, and make them a juggernaut and a dynasty. And if he can do that, and I don't see why he wouldn't be able to looking at, um, Barkoff and Borgstrom and Nolachari and Dadanoff and Hoffman and, I mean, Sevier and Ekblad and go down the list. Yep. This is a team, again, if they draft well and and things go according to plan, this is a team that, that I think can be competitive and even eventually a Stanley Cup winner at some point in the tenure of Joel Quenville behind the bench. No question about it. This guy, you know, you know Joel Quenville as well uh, as we all do from our years uh, in minor hockey with him, he's a quality guy. He's got instant credibility. Uh, he's going to make that team play well above their skill level, which is considerable. Like you just went through six or eight forwards that are as good as anybody, and you get to defense, and they've got Matheson and Weger, uh, Aaron Ekblad, uh, Keith Yandel, who, by the way, as we uh, as we saluted a few weeks ago, hasn't missed a game in like ten years. Uh, good on Yans for that. Ian McCaution is uh, on defense is one of my watch out for this guy uh, characters. He's he's that good. So is Owen Tippett, who is in their pipeline and hasn't cracked the lineup yet. Massive goal scorer in junior. Uh, see what this guy can do. But they've got they got a pretty solid pipeline. They've got a very solid young roster, and they've got one of the best coaches of all time. So, unfortunately, they go as far as their goaltending will carry them. If well, Bobrovsky yeah. plays as well as he has over the last three or four years, this is going to be a real tough out. Well, agreed. But that, but on goaltending, that's my one question with this team because aside from Bobrovsky, and that's if he can play with the consistency he has the past few years. Um, you know. Who do they have behind Bobrovsky is my only question. Montembeau. Montembeau is the 
is the next in line. They've got probably uh, um, Bernard, Disroyers. Yeah. I mean, these these guys, and it's nothing against them, but it's it's one of those moments where, you know, who? I mean, yeah. I I mean, up to this point, they're names that I've never heard of anyway. Well, look, and I he, I can honestly and comfortably admit that because it's just, you know, so outside of Bobrovsky, if he goes down, are these guys or any of these guys ones that you can rely on to help you win games? I tell you this because I'm a big Joe Quenville fan. He won a cup in Chicago with Anti Niemi. True, true. So if he if he coaches this team the way he's done it uh, his entire career, uh, he can win with. He doesn't. He, doesn't have to have Bobrovsky even playing 65 games to, to win with this team. True. He's that good. Good point. Good point. I would, I would look for them to be, um, I would look for them to be scary this year. And if they play up to their potential and, and they will with, with him behind the bench, I think this team's going to be, uh, there'll be people who are shocked. Don't count me among them. I, I think they ought to be good. No, I agree. I, I think, They've got the makings on on paper leading into camp and leading into things. They've got the makings to be a team that's right there with with the Bruins and the Leafs and everything for the for the end yeah. of the year. At least a wild card team. I'd I'd put them in the wild card for sure. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, for me, the other question mark, like I mentioned with um, Buffalo, as we transition, um, yeah. is Montreal. Um, yeah. Before we jump into things. Um, <laughs> okay. Did, I don't think, I, th- I think it's safe to say we all heard what was said. Um, thoughts on Domi's comments. If you heard him. Are you talking about the RFA discussion? No, I'm talking about his discussion of, um, the atmosphere and playing in Montreal compared to Toronto and places like that. Oh well, fill me in a little bit. I don't well, know if I'm. I don't know if I'm talking about the same thing as you. Well, he came out on uh, Sportsnet during NHL media, the media tour, and he um, he said he doesn't want to he doesn't want to offend anybody and he doesn't want to insult anybody. And my dad played in in Toronto for many years, but there's no beating hockey in Montreal, and there's no. Oh. There's no beating that atmosphere, and there isn't or shouldn't be a single player in the NHL that wouldn't or shouldn't or doesn't want to put that Canadian crest on and play in Montreal. Well, I, I did see that during the media the media tour, uh, what, a week or 10 days ago. Yeah. Um, and unlike a generation ago, I agree with him. I, I think Montreal is the place to play. Montreal is like Edmonton, uh, maybe even like Toronto or some of the more media-centric markets. But where where they used to start booing and throwing stuff uh, 15, 20 years ago, if you didn't win the cup, I think the, the city has outgrown that. They, they don't expect to win the cup every year the way they did back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. So now if you play hard, and you put out for this uh, for that town, they're going to love you. And that's why they like Max Domi. That's why they like Carey Price. Um, that's why they, you know, it's an easier place to play now. And I, 
I like this team. I, I really like this team. They've gotten bigger. They got stronger. They've uh, they've increased the the depth of their skill. Um, they're no longer a one line team. They're even pretty solid on defense all of a sudden. And uh, and I you know I, I believe in these guys. I think this team this is one of those middling teams that if they are in that overachiever kind of mode and they're playing for a really good coach in in Claude Julien. If they get into that mode and Price stays healthy, you know this team's this team could be scary. And I, I really I hate to say it because uh, you know I don't like to play these guys every night. These guys could be really really good. Yeah, I, 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 like, I like them. Bringing in Kincaid on the back end helps Price a bit. Kincaid's I, a sturdy backup. Yep. So he I, ought to be able to get twenty twenty five games out of him. Drew and. Uh, I've always liked Johnny Druan. Thomas Tatar's found a home. Brennan Gallagher. Never, I like Gallagher. He's, he's always the same. Max Domi, Philip Deneau, um, Joel Armia, the pickup from Winnipeg. Uh, he could become, if he ever becomes Joel Armia that, that was uh, the kid five years ago, he, along with Arturi Lekkonen and, and um, I don't know, they've got Nate Thompson, who's uh, a big body and, and veteran guy. Uh, this Kotkin Yemi kid and Charles Hudon, these are great young players. Uh, this uh, this team up front could be, they could be hard to handle. Well, and Byron is Byron's no slouch either. Oh, exactly. Very nice skater and real good, solid two-way player. Paul Byron is uh, and a good veteran presence. He can play just about anywhere. You can put him with anybody, and then you start you start talking about their defense with. Sharat uh, and Weber, Jeff Petrie came uh, came on into his own last year. Uh, Mike Riley, uh, fantastic mileage out of a, a million and a half kid in Mike Riley. Victor Mete is a good young uh, young puck mover, very mobile kid. Uh, I like him a lot. These guys are, and and here's the other one. We got we got these guys on every team. The pipeline here is is really sturdy. This uh, Ryan Paling kid, remember seeing him when he came up at the end of last year? Oh, yeah. Just fantastic skill. Um, Nick Suzuki is in their pipe. Hayden Verbeek. Um, uh, who else down there? Uh, Mike McCarron, big giant kid out of, uh, I think, Peterborough. Fantastic uh, pipeline of, of young forwards. Well, they, and, added to uh, their, they added to their pipeline, too, um, and they won the trade. I think they won it outright. Um, they added to the pipeline in the Pacioretty trade. Trading Pacioretty and bringing in Suzuki, who is in, oh, in Vegas and th- and everything. They yeah. they stole the show with that trade. Here's, here's what to watch for. We already talked about three or four forwards in their pipe, you know, starting with Paling. Why, look at these kids on defense. Noah Juleson. Fantastic young defenseman, Kale Flurry, Xavier Willette, three real, real good young defensemen. Uh, well, that's 26, but still waiting to come into his own. Uh, I still believe in Charlie Lindgren in goal. I think he may be a longer-term solid backup to uh, to Carey Price. But this is a this is a pretty solid team all of a sudden. And in two years ago, they looked like they were in total disarray. And this is what a couple of real good drafts and a trade or two is what can happen. Oh, agree. 
um, for all all the criticisms that he might get, um, Bergevin, he uh, he can put together a team if he wants to. He, he's done a night with these guys, and he stayed the course. And he's he's living proof that Montreal is a little more forgiving uh, in 2019 than they were in 1989. Uh, much more forgiving, especially you know Bergevin. Bergevin being French Canadian is uh, is an advantage, but. Uh, I, I tell you, I, I always think about this. I knew Mark Bergevin when he was a player, and he was the, in a good way, he was the dippiest, funniest, practical, jokingest guy you could ever be around. And to see him take the microphone as a GM in a presser and talk seriously, even after all these years, is very difficult for me to do. <laughs> but he's done a nice job. I, I salute the work he's done there. They're going to be very competitive. They're a bubble team. Uh, a couple of bounces and a and a breakout season for some of their uh, a couple of their young kids and this is a playoff uh, this is a, a wild card team well yeah we'll get to it here as we when we close out the, the this week um when we give our predictions for uh standings at the end of the year uh same way we did we did with the metro um but i don't even even on a good day i don't i don't see them being tops of the division no, not yet anyway, but I do see them if all goes well, I do see them being um getting into um April and May playoff hockey in uh the one or two wild card spot. They are headed in the right direction for sure. And and their pipeline looks good. This is a team that has a good 5-year they've got a good 5-year trajectory right now. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of right direction, is Ottawa in, heading in the right direction? They are. For sure, uh, you know I don't I don't like them yet. They're not ready. They've got to get used to DJ Smith. Um, they've got some proving to do to themselves, but the you know this is they are absolutely going they go in the right way. Uh, they still need a little bit of help up front, but here's here's the again the kids to watch for. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are we going to get out of Drake Batherson? What are we going to get from Alex Formanton this year? Uh, are these guys ready to step into that? second line maybe role that where they should slot from from the kind of careers they had in junior Anisimov a nice pickup up the middle uh, add some veteran help Pajo is solid their top line is if Bobby Ryan can stay healthy is good and I love them on defense yep they're good on they're good on defense for me the question for me the question is not only in regards to when or if they get a new new building but also um, you, you you can't discuss Ottawa without wondering what kind of of effect, negatively or positively, that Eugene Melnick will have. That's unfortunate, and it and it never goes away. Uh, unless unless he's no longer the owner, it never goes away. But yeah, if if he could sell that team, the you know the the entire thing, as I always say, fish rot from the head. Mm-hmm. Uh, He'd done a nice job on a shoestring budget of keeping them competitive for a really long time, bringing them into Ottawa and keeping them at the top through the Alfredson years and everything. But when he fell on hard times, he needed to drift into the background and let somebody else handle the... He needed to let Brian Murray handle the microphone, um, but he just couldn't resist himself. He he needs to either keep quiet or make amends with the community or sell them. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, done. 
and mm -hmm. and start the right way. But uh, you know, they're, they're not. Um, they're at least a team that has probably bottomed out and and looking to come back again. I, I like them on defense. Biggest question mark for me is probably in goal. How many miles does 38-year-old Craig Anderson have left? Uh, but they've got six or seven really good defensemen on that roster, and mm -hmm. and they've got a a young forward group that that can really skate. I mean, this is a this is a team that could be. Um, they could be good if they can if they can defend. And DJ Smith coached the defense in Toronto for a long time. He knows these guys well. We'll see what uh, see what they can make of themselves. I think they're headed the right way. Well, I found it I found it funny. Um, last thing on Ottawa, um, I found it funny that Eugene Melnick and it was Melnick more than Dorian, but they both came out and they criticized publicly Toronto for how they constructed their team and how they rebuilt their team. And then in the offseason, they they rebuild their roster with former Maple Leafs. Right. They bring in Nikita Zaitsev. They bring in Ron Hainsey. They bring in Tyler Ennis. Yeah. Connor Brown. I mean, they bring in a number of the very players that they were just basically criticizing that Toronto used to rebuild. I, I, so I, I found it I found it a little funny that publicly criticize and then you know well I first, hate my I hate my ex-girlfriend but oh here I am back with her yeah so yeah when, when you're when you're at the bottom of the league looking up and you're a per, perennial lottery club don't criticize anybody I don't care who it is well that's don't that's criticize. where it's Melnick more than anybody but ah What's up next? Next, 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 next. I feel like we're hitting bullet points here. Next, um, next is the, the team that I think we don't have to discuss a whole lot about just because I think it's obvious they're going to be top or near the top again is Tampa. Um, sure. The only the only thing that I would say about them, especially after this past this past playoffs is are they and, and this is more of a rhetorical question because they are but are they built in a way to win a Stanley Cup yep that's the that's the short answer yeah I think well that's what I mean it's rhetorical I think they are but after being bounced by Columbus in four games I feel like the rhetorical question still needs to be at least thrown out there just because 128 points for Kucherov last year. He had, yeah. And how many points as a team in the standings? And you get bounced in the first round by a last second wild last second wild card team. And I mean that gives that gives some credibility to the notion of playing meaningful hockey down the stretch, which Tampa wasn't doing, and they they hadn't played meaningful hockey since. Christmas, Christmas time, but yeah. you know. Well, they listen. They got the twelve of the best forwards uh, on any one roster in the game, even without Braden Point. Let, let's just say they don't get him signed, maybe at all, or until November, December. He doesn't get in the lineup. They're still that. That only gives Boris Kachuk a chance to get in the lineup. 
which I'm really eager to see. Um, but they've got 12 very, very good forwards. They've got a handful of good defensemen, at least a top four that mm -hmm. can play with just about anybody. Uh, they've got maybe the league's very best goaltender in Vasilevsky. And they've got Curtis McElhaney, who's probably the best backup goaltender in the game. So, and then, you know, somewhere floating around is still Louis Domingue, who was rock solid last year. They got Nolan and, and uh, Cal Foote coming along, yep. uh, Taylor Radish along with uh, along with Kachuk. So, man, this team is set up. They what's their What's their window look like then? Well, it's not even it's not even immediate. Or is it even is it a question of a window then? No, I mean, there's I I don't think there is one. This is one of the few teams in the league that could probably score 112 points this year and not have to win to, for their for their window to be in question. Mm -hmm. Just because of the way they've drafted, uh, the amount of blue chip guys they've got in their system, uh, and the amount of guys that maybe maybe they can, like let's let's say they can't sign, uh, uh, I don't know, pick a guy. Tyler Johnson's under contract. Kalorn's under contract, Paquette's under contract. They really don't have anybody right now in question beyond Braden Point. Um, and even if they had to, for some reason, they, they can't possibly do it because of his cost, even if they didn't have Braden Point. Here comes here comes Kachuk. Here comes mm -hmm. uh, Matthew Joseph. Well, Steve Eiserman, on the discussion of him, his fingerprints are gonna are on this team for years to come. Yeah. On the draft picks and the pipeline. Um, the question for me then with all the guys under contract would be, um, would be hoping that they don't all come up at once. If I'm, they, if I'm a Tampa Bay fan and I'm in that organization, I'm hoping that Kalorn and Palat and Johnson and, and Stamkos and, and Hedman are, aren't in the question. They're eight year long term, but for Palat and Johnson and Kalorn and Paquette and Yanni Gord and all these guys hoping that they don't come up for a new contract at the same time. They, they won't. Palat has four years left. Stamkos and Kucherov are both under 10 million for the remainder of the, their prime years. Agreed. Forever. Yep. yep. Yanni Gord is good through the 26th season. Tyler Johnson is mm -hmm. locked up. Kalorn is locked up. Paquette has three years. The only guys that they're looking at possibly having to deal with beyond Braden Point, throw out the high and the low. Braden Point's the only guy they've got to contend with right now. They got Maroon and Sorelli and Danik Martell yep. coming up next year. Or, and I'm sorry, two years. So they really have nothing to be concerned about. And even on defense, they don't have uh, maybe Sergachev uh, in two years. They've got, a, they've got a sign. But they don't have any, like, impending tidal waves of cap trouble coming. Nope. Because not only did they draft great, but these long-term deals for Stamkos and Kucherov, holy smokes. I mean, this sets them up for a long time. I hate to say it. These guys are... These guys aren't going anywhere. Well, it sets it sets those long term contracts for Hedman and Stamkos at eight million or something like that, which is yeah. a steal for players of that caliber in today's climate. 
Right. If they were if they were up today, you know, the same argument can be made, and we'll get to it in, in the next couple of weeks. But you know, same argument can be made about Nathan McKinnon. Six million for that for him. I mean, when he's up for contract, he's going to get a major pay raise. And the same could be argued about Stamkos and Hedman if if they were of the age that the next time they're up for a contract, they can sign big money. Well, yeah, Hedman Hedman is just like Kucherov. He signed for seven more years mm-hmm. at, at 7.8. So, I mean, McDonough has signed uh, for eight years. I, this is a, this is a no well-done team. Yep. Yeah. So not only have they drafted well, and they're going to, at some point, they're going to replace guys like Maroon with Nolan Foote. And yep. they're going to replace a guy like Braden Coburn with uh, Cal Foote, mm-hmm. uh, let's say. Yep. But so not only have they got a pipeline of kids that are coming along that are going to be impact NHLers, uh, Radish and Kachuk, but they've got the cap management has been second to none. Mm-hmm. Well, they, well done. It's a well done team all around. And, um, so not, we spent a number of minutes on them, and we didn't really need to, just because it it kind of speaks for itself. Um, what about the top? Despite my rhetorical point? questions, it speaks right. for itself. So, um, <laughs> put them up there and let them go. We'll we, we'll be talking about them in May, unless something goes completely haywire again. Absolutely. The only the only substantial, meaningful questions that I do have, um, and will be answered in time. But does. Um, Cal Foot cracked the lineup, um, as well as what kind of impact can uh, Kevin Shattenkirk have? Shattenkirk needs to rebound. Um, Cal Foot question mark. I haven't seen Cal play in about a year and a half, so I don't know what his foot speed looks like. Um, but he's, you know, he's a smart player. He played a, a lot of meaningful minutes in uh, in Kelowna, which was the last time I saw him play much. And and he's now you know that that was three years ago. So uh, I want to see him in the in the lineup at least early in the season, see what he can do. And um, the Sergeyev kid is spectacular in the Druan trade. Yeah, I, these guys are. I, I I love it, love what they've done. Everybody ought to everybody ought to do exactly what Stevie Heiserman did. But here again, let me just say one more time, he built this team with big. North American guys that go straight up and down. We have Kucherov aside, but what he's so and and he did the exact opposite in his first draft in Detroit. I'm not understanding that, but we'll see how it plays out. It'll take five years, but we'll see. Well, we've reached the finish line of the Atlantic Division. This was a happy accident for those listening, um, but we've left Toronto for last. Oh, I was going to say, don't we have one more team to cover yet? Who in the world? Uh, I, well, I think our, I think our time's up. We'll Look. see you next week. <laughs> well but, played. But no, I, this, it was a happy accident, I promise, for everybody. But we close out, we reach the finish line with the infamous Toronto Maple Leafs and um, what they're going to look like. Their major question is, I think, very obvious. We've discussed it ad nauseum yes and that is mitch marner but um i i may here actually i probably will i'll I'll just sit silently and let you do all the talking (laughs) because i'm sure you have plenty to say (laughs) toronto maple leafs and toronto maple leafs and 
the wonderful thoughts from Brad. <laughs> the floor is yours. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, everybody. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm just taking it one game at a time. I uh, just want to contribute <laughs> any way I can. Uh, all right. <laughs> Listen, these guys are these guys are built well. They're they're solid. They've they've managed the forward group very very well. I think Kerfoot uh, as an addition in the, in replacement of of Kadri is a great fit and pretty much a straight across trade. I love the Barry acquisition. Uh, probably just for this year. I don't see how they can sign him uh, beyond this year. But uh, you know what they what they did in the off season to restructure this team a little bit. Spets a pickup was awesome. We may see Nick Shore in the lineup again uh, in place of Marner until that deal gets done. Nick Patan, maybe, uh, who was a great junior and a good skill player, is uh, yet to find his way as a 24-year-old. Um, the uh, This kid, Mikhaev, uh, out of the K, I'd like to see what he's made of. I, I hear a lot of talk, but I heard talk about uh, Zaitsev as well. Um, on defense is the biggest change. Picking up a right right shot puck mover who is as good as anybody in the game and Tyson Berry, uh, in addition to the, a, a little bit of sturdiness in Jake Muzzin that they picked up last year, Cody CC. I am a big fan, uh, to play on the right side in the top four. So your top four on defense are set Riley CC Muzzin and Barry. And then with, uh, Ben Harper in the back, uh, along with possibly Jordan Schmaltz, they're, they've really changed the look of their defense, which is what they needed to do. Freddie Anderson is sturdy. Uh, his backup yet to be determined. Maybe Mike Hutchison. Good-looking team uh, all the way through up front. And I think eventually these guys will all get their RFA deals done and Marner being one of them. In the pipeline, hey, I don't know. Uh, Adam Brooks, uh, possibly. Mason Marchman. Um, Jeremy Bracco you may see in while Marner's... Um, floundering around with his contract uh, on the back. You probably aren't going to see Sandine or Lilligren for another year, possibly, but uh, it would take an injury or two, I think before either of those kids make it that where I like them over the long haul uh, is in goal. By the time Freddie is uh, at the end of his prime, uh, Ian Scott is going to be ready to go. Joe wall, maybe, um, and they've got another guy, Mike Neuwirth, they picked up in the offseason that may that may challenge Mike Hutchison for the backup job. So all in all, uh, probably behind Tampa, maybe in, in another dogfight, got to get through Boston in, in April. The good news is they're a playoff team. The bad news is they got to go through Boston again. Yeah. But I like them. Uh, sick of talking about Marner, so... Let them uh, open the open the door and let them play. The interesting one for me in Toronto too would be um, Pontus Aberg. Yeah, I think I, he I think he could be in Toronto could be a a quality depending on how they want to structure the roster this year could be a quality bottom six guy. He proved himself in Anaheim to be uh, somebody that can contribute and can produce. So. Yeah, I was I, I was looking at him, and I I need to ask our uh, resident ducks consultant uh, <laughs> what, what you get with this guy. I don't know uh, I don't know any, much about him. I saw him play a few games here and there in Anaheim over the last couple of years. Don't know what his upside is. The other guy that um, you know, like I said, maybe maybe Jeremy Bracco finally gets a go at it this year uh, in lieu of Marner. I don't know. 
there's going to be like like Babcock always says, uh, one guy's out of the lineup. It's just an opportunity for somebody else. So we'll see where that goes. Uh, you know, we're going to see Nick Shore hang on for a couple more years. Uh, Nick Patan, um, Aberg, uh, Bracco. Who's going to who's going to step up in that absence and take a take a shot on the wing that's going to get a few uh, meaningful minutes with Marner out of the lineup. Yeah, because it's looking more and more like a 100% guarantee that he's not only not there for camp, but not there to start the year. So, yeah, let's just let's just hope he doesn't bust an ACL or something in in Switzerland while he's farting around over there. That would just I I don't get it. But yeah, that's but, for another day. But if that happens, feel bad for the guy. But if that happens, it gives the Leafs some leverage. Then, right. You would yeah. think you would think, you know, if if you trained the right way and you signed signed with us, maybe you don't hurt yourself and not and you're still playing. Instead, you go to Europe and now you're done. Like, right. So uh, let's let's hope he doesn't be he doesn't become a uh, an LTIR asset. <laughs> yes. Anyway, so what are we? Where are they going to end up? What's the what's the bottom line here at the end of the year? Oh yep. To close out the year, standing come April, what's the Atlantic Division standings look like? Um, I got Tampa number one. I think that's self-explanatory. Um, Agree. I'm gonna say for me, I'm gonna say that Toronto overtakes Boston for the number two spot. Probably. Uh, putting Boston at number three, I think it's safe to say they're gonna play each other again, um, no matter how they fall. So two, three there, wherever you want to put them. Florida for me is uh is going to be um your one of your wild card teams um well it could scare the heck out of Boston. I mean it, this can be more of a discussion come the next couple of weeks when we discuss conferences as a whole rather than divisions um cuz then we can get more specific on who we think is going to be the wild card team but uh fourth in the Atlantic for me is Florida. Um yep. And then right behind them will be Montreal for me. Right. Uh, those two teams are, are bubble teams for me. They're right there. They. I don't know if, like we said, I don't know if Florida should be a bubble team. Um, but just getting started, first year, first year coach and Joel Quenville down down there, and and different things like that. I think um, they're a bubble team this year. They have the potential to be a force after this year. Uh, but at least for the nineteen twenty season, Florida is a bubble team. Yep. Uh, same with Montreal. Um, I have Buffalo right behind Montreal. I think they're constructed in a way that can com- compete at least to not be in the bottom. And then Ottawa and Detroit are my bottom two. Yep. Um, I think those can be interchangeable depending on how you look at it. Um, but for me, Detroit is the the bottom team in the Atlantic. So. Agreed. I think that's those guys at the bottom are pretty clear. Uh, maybe Tampa and Toronto at the top are clear, and then there's some teams in there that can, you know, depending on goaltending, depending on health, uh, depending on just how much heart they put into it every night. Teams like Montreal, Florida, uh, there's a lot of there's there's some room for movement in there, and it's that's what makes it fun. Yep, agreed. Well, I, Totally agree with you, though. I mean, this this is a, to me is a fairly clear cut division. And now, we'll see, ba- based you know, on the, based on our discussions, has the Atlantic Division 
become one of the toughest divisions in hockey. Yeah, there's no doubt. Uh, like, I don't see I don't see any place in this division that's that's an easy place to play. I mean, you might you might go into Detroit and expect two points. You might go into Ottawa and expect two, but uh, don't you know? Don't take anybody for granted. And uh, yeah, they may they may have overtaken the uh, the Central as uh, as the top you know one of the, as the top division in uh, in the game. Yeah, maybe. Time will tell. I we'll think see. it's why they play the game, right? It is. You know, it, it. All the divisions have gotten tougher, though. Well, they. Yeah, I mean, they you, to the point where it's not really a clear cut anymore that one division is the toughest one to play. No. You know, now no. nowadays, based on drafts and based on different things, every division has a number of teams, and if not the entire division, being a force. So. I don't think I don't think on the basis of not taking anybody for granted. I don't think there's an easy place to play anywhere. No. So there definitely isn't. I mean, there's. It, it's not the way you've seen in the past, where you just teams were floundering, and you knew that going in here uh, many years ago, maybe the Florida Panthers, maybe mm-hmm. uh, maybe there's been teams off and on where you could just expect uh, you could expect a bit of a rollover uh, from one night to the next, but anymore. Do that at your own peril. Oh, you go yep, to agreed. a place where, where you think a team's going to struggle, like the L.A. Kings or Minnesota or Detroit, somebody like that. You go in there expect, you, taking those teams lightly, and you're going to get the you're going to get the crap knocked out of you. So mm-hmm. it's uh, that's what makes the game fun. That's what makes you uh, makes you want to tune in. So, well, our our question to close out every week. Um, I think the answer is self explanatory this week. Um, what are we looking forward to this coming week? Uh, camps opening up. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's great to see camp open. It's great to see who shows up, who makes a statement. Uh, always watching for the young guys to emerge and, and grab a roster spot. And we talked about uh, every as we go through each team, we're talking about guys that you got to keep your eye on. The guys that may start the start the year uh, in the minor leagues or or in junior even. And but. You know, coming out of camp, this guy may this guy may impress and make it impossible to send him away. So that's uh, that's what I'm looking for. And there's a handful of them around the league. Almost every team's got somebody to keep your eye on that could be an emerging star and a real impact player. And that's that's the thing that I like to see. Oh, agreed. A lot of teams have, when you look at them, a lot of teams have rosters constructed to where if everybody's healthy, I think it's safe to assume what what the team will look like come opening night. Um, but with 13th forwards and things like that, it's, it's interesting to see which of the young, young players are, will make an opening night roster even as an extra. So, yeah. And you know what, that, that's the great part about being one of these kids that we talk about on each team. Uh, and some teams have a handful of them. Some teams have one, but when somebody gets hurt, unfortunately, or somebody doesn't get a contract signed or whatever, or just gets off to a terrible start. This is where, this is where a kid comes along like a, a, a confer or somebody like that, that really can step in and make a statement that maybe, maybe was overlooked. You know, when you, when you go through your depth chart, this is a, this is almost an afterthought guy. And all of a sudden, you know, you give him an opportunity and away you go. So that's and that that's the most fun uh, in the entire 
scope of the game to me is watching player development. I love player development. I love seeing these guys emerge. Yep. It uh, makes it fun. So, um, speaking of emerging players, before we sign off, I got to give a shout to, uh, to our own Penticton V's. Um, I mean, they're just, uh, Doug Waits boy, Danny off to a blazing hot start. I think he's got five points or five or six points in the first two games. Um, keep an eye on this kid. Wow. Yeah. Get if you're if you're locally here in the Okanagan, get in to see him. Not just yeah, well not just that, but um and we've discussed it before, but uh locally here, um DePaolo like is tearing it up. So um yeah. he's fun to watch and in any clips that, that we've seen and everything. So um DePaolo, Niedermeyer, Wait, this this whole team really um is worth the price of admission to go down and uh, check a game out. So, If you are fortunate, wherever you're listening from, if you are fortunate enough to have uh, minor league hockey, whether it's the Coast or the AHL, or if you have major junior or junior A or junior B in your area, get out and support your guys. Get out and watch these kids play. They play their hearts out. NC2A, go watch these kids play. It's, it's fun to watch. They're playing for the passion of the game. Um, and you're going to see at some point, you're going to see kids that are, that are going to be, uh, on television someday. So mm-hmm. get out and support, uh, support your local guys and, uh, and enjoy the game for the, for the pure form that it is. A lot of exciting things happening in hockey. Um, next week, uh, we're crossing over to the West side of things and we are, uh, just starting over there with the Pacific division next week. Um, so look for that. Um, but a thank you to everybody for tuning in. Uh, our listeners are the driving force behind what we do. We can't thank you enough for tuning in. Head to Facebook and give us a like. Instagram, give us a follow. Um, head to Spot- Spotify, Apple Podcasts, give us a rating and a review. Share with family and friends. Hit the subscribe button so you can be alerted to new episodes, which are every week. And uh, yeah, so we'll look forward to uh, to you guys tuning in next week for the Pacific Pacific Division preview, excuse me. Uh, thank you, uh, thank you, Brad. Brewing. Hey, What's it's up? Breakaway Brewing and give us a round. How's that? Yes. Breakaway Brewing, give us a round. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> if you're if you're locally here, um, stop in. Handcrafted uh, craft beer. It's delicious, delicious food. Uh, so if you're ever in the Okanagan area, uh, if you are already and you're listening, uh, then stop in in downtown Summerland uh, on Victoria Road and uh, give Breakaway Brewing a try. And we uh, appreciate in advance the support. So, uh, Thanks for having me on, Evan. Yep, thanks, Brad, for uh, for calling in on Skype this week. My I am always. Yep. <laughs> I am Evan Rauer with War Room, the Hockey Podcast, and I look forward to seeing you all throughout the hockey community. Cheers. Cheers.